You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about sports. And today, the sport on the line is basketball. We're going to be talking about Ben Affleck's new movie, Air. Uh, in I think if you go and see it in the theaters right now, it's called Air, Courting a Legend. It had a subtle rename. Anyway, this is a movie kind of about Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan isn't really in it which is very interesting, and we talk about that for a bit. Uh, as always, this is spoiler light. We don't really spoil the movie, but it is based on a true story, so we don't exactly hold back either. So if you are concerned with spoilers, there's your warning. Uh, there's not really a good spoiler warning within this episode, so um, consider this your spoiler warning. And... Uh, other than that, I thought this was a pretty interesting discussion. Um, we talk a lot about Ben Affleck. We talk about a, a lot about the DC Universe. For some reason, that just keeps coming up. And uh, we talk a lot about basketball. Uh, both of us have like a very limited knowledge of basketball, but we, are, we do have a lot of thoughts pertaining to the movie Air, Courting a Legend. So anyway... Um, this movie does have original songs, or original, like, an, an actual soundtrack to it, a score, but, uh, it also has Dire Straits, so I'm just gonna use this as an excuse to play just a little bit of something very special. Here's Money for Nothing. Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about sports. Here, what's your favorite sports? Uh, hockey. Oh, there's an Oilers game tonight. Oh, geez, I need to watch that. Honestly, I don't really like sports. I just watch. I watch uh, hockey sometimes with my dad. That's basically it. Or I'll watch the playoffs if like a Canadian team is doing well. Essentially, that's like my only association with sports. Honestly, what about you, Jeff? Oh, just real quick before I give my answer, uh, Pierre, I want you when after this podcast is over, uh, when you watch the Oilers game, can you send me like what the results are afterwards? Uh, like I can I can look it up, but this is going to get edited probably at, well after the Oilers game. So I just don't want to forget. Just send me the results and I'll put those in the show notes. Oh, perfect. OK. 
I will do that. I don't. I don't watch sports as much as like maybe I should. Like occasionally I'll, uh, occasionally I'll get like extremely into something like snooker for a couple of days, and then mm. you know I I won't touch it again for a couple of years. But like I always watch the Super Bowl once a year, and I like vaguely understand oh, yeah. football by the time that happens. And that's kind of it. Like I'm I'm like a non-practicing sports fan. I I come in mm. I come in just for the Super Bowl, and that's it. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll watch the Super Bowl too. Mostly for the ads, honestly. <laughs> I don't really... Sometimes the game will be really good. Sometimes it'll be good. Okay, so, like, I don't know if you know this, because I don't know how exactly you watch the Super Bowl, but, like, the last couple of years, I've watched the Super Bowl on cable TV, which I pay for. And did you know that a couple of years ago, the Canadian Supreme Court ruled that, like, the... Canadian television or like television stations that show the Super Bowl in Canada can't show Super Bowl ads from the states. Uh Really? I think I've seen some ads like the I mean, really like, really big ones you'll see on Canadian TV. But majority of them, yeah, I think you're right. It's like the really, really big ones and then like a Ford commercial. And you'll see that one Ford commercial like a hundred times. Yeah, so, some of them we definitely do get screwed on. But like usually like movie trailers, movie trailers will always usually be I've, I've seen. And some of like, yeah, some of the I know Doritos had a really big one. That's all I remember, honestly. Um, I, I, like I remember the Doritos one. I was very happy <laughs> yeah. we got the Doritos one. Yeah, no, it was actually like really funny. I liked it. Actually, speaking of that, I'm, I can't remember for sure because we definitely didn't get it in Canada, but I think that one of the first trailers for the movie we're talking about today actually aired during the Super Bowl. Like, I think it was a Super Bowl trailer, actually. Really? I think so. We definitely didn't get oh, it in wow. Canada. It wasn't one of the big ones. Like, it wasn't Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah. But, oh, okay. Yeah, we, I was in a bar, I, honestly, so I, I think I missed a lot of the trailers, too, this time. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunate. But, um, yeah. Also, the game this year was pretty bad. Sorry, yes. What uh, What is the movie we're talking about today? Tell us about talking sports. About, talking about Air. And to be clear, it's a movie by Ben Affleck, directed by Ben Affleck, about the Air Jordan shoe and the creation of it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I think the title is pretty bad. <laughs> I think that was a really <laughs> poor choice of title. I get why they did it, but I think marketing wise, like it, it just sounds like a very boring movie. If I'm going to be honest. And anyone who's listened to this podcast enough times will definitely know that like the reason I can't think of a better name for this movie is that I'm not creative, but like, there there exist better names there have to like it's just having seen this movie and having like gone to see it i think air was fine but only because i was specifically looking for it like i don't know yeah. if you're just if, if you're just someone not even just like a regular average joe moviegoer like even me, I, I somehow knew about this movie. I don't even actually know how because it was very under the radar for me. But like, if I'm looking at movies that are playing in the at, at the local movie theater, 
and I see one that's called air, I'm not like inclined to look more into it. It's like, oh, that's probably um, that's probably like a weird indie movie that I'm not familiar with, and so I. But it's playing at the Cineplex, which means it's probably not like a good indie movie. So I'm gonna move move for move on. <laughs> I, when I hear air, I think of like it's, it's like a Pixar movie about a a breath of air that that is having trouble believing in itself, and then uh, no, dude, it has that's to called Elemental. <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> Elemental, by the way, looks absolutely like terror. I I've never. I've never seen, I don't know why, but something about the animation in Elemental just really grosses me out. And I don't want to watch it, which is unfortunate. But I'd much rather watch a Pixar movie called Air, though. I'm going to be honest here. Uh, as you did mention, this is a movie by Ben Affleck, who has had, like, mm -hmm. kind of an insane career, as we were just talking about off air. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I can't say that without laughing this entire time. <laughs> I mean, he he's had some pretty big moments in Hollywood in terms of uh, what he one of one of his first screenplays I think the first screenplay that he got to make a movie with or that a uh, movie was made from it uh, got nominated and won the best original screenplay at the Oscars with him and Matt Damon um, and then I and then he's had he had an interesting acting career for a few years he played Daredevil and then he got into directing in the 2010s. Uh, have you have you seen have you seen his the Ben Affleck lineup of movies at all? Um, I just gotta double check. I know I've seen a couple of movies directed by him. I want to see like how many of his I've seen that he, that he's directed. I killed my lesbian wife, hung her on a meat hook, and now I have a three picture deal at Disney. I saw that. Uh, not not fantastic. I saw The Town and I saw Argo. Mm. And I feel like I may have seen Live by Night, but if I did, I fell asleep because I probably started watching it at like midnight. So I don't remember Live by Night if I did see it. I've uh, heard it was a pretty oh, no, I, movie, so. I, I did not see Live by Night. I was mistaking oh, okay. it with The Town, which I did see and actually was very good. I was just like, I just thought they were two separate movies, and I definitely didn't see The Town twice. I just saw it once. I remember it yeah, being really okay. Good. I do I actually do really want to watch The Town. Argo was a bit of a weird one. I actually knew that story going in, and I was very excited for it. And I remember seeing it, thinking it was very good, and still being a little bit disappointed at how, like, not completely balls to the wall insane the story ended up being when it when adapted to film because it is a mm. very strange story and like it's i mean it's about um i'm not gonna recount all of argo here but the idea behind argo is that like they went into pre-production for a film that did not exist and never would and the film that they were like going into pre-production for was insane and I wanted to see a lot more of that movie, but like Argo was, didn't include as much of the like pre-production and weird behind the scenes nonsense of the fake movie Argo as I had hoped it would. Yeah, it was more about, I guess, the the escape, right? Than the actual yeah. uh, event of what they were doing. 
mm-hmm. which yeah, I guess that's that's unfortunate. I, I I haven't seen the movie in like eight years or something, so I honestly can't remember it. But I remember it being quite well done. So, and um, yeah, and I, I, I haven't he won seen Best Director. Uh, I I know he won Best Movie, Best Picture, right? So I think he got an award because he was a producer on the movie. Um, he won Best Picture, he... Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. Yeah, okay. Did he, he, did he do the screenplay at all? No, no, it was Chris Terrio, right? Yeah, Chris, Chris Terrio. Chris Terrio, who went on to, <laughs> to write the scripts for Batman v Superman and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So you could say the <laughs> Chris Terrio has probably one of the most influential careers in Hollywood because he killed two massive movie franchises in the span of like three years. <laughs> Which like, it's quite impressive. Actually, interestingly, I, th- I, I just said that I thought Ben Affleck got best director for this. He was not even nominated for best director for Argo. Which is a little bit interesting. Mm. Like, I don't know how this episode's gonna go. I don't know if there's gonna be a lot of Ben Affleck shit talk in this. But uh, it is it is interesting to note right off the bat that he did not that he was not nominated for best director at the Academy Awards when he did Argo. Poor Ben. That is too Poor bad. Ben indeed. He did win best director at the African American Film Critics Association for Argo, though. That that's an interesting. Okay, I didn't know you could. Wow. Um. Anyways. <laughs> Yeah, so he he did those movies, and then I think after the fiasco with DC, I think he was, it seems like he was just kind of taking a break from, or actually, I guess after Live By Night, I think he just, that movie really affected his his personal life and his career in a lot of ways, because Air is the first movie he's directed in since Live By Night, Um, but you could also say Live By Night was the reason for him dropping out of the DC universe, I think, in part. Well, I think there was a lot of stuff there. Like, there's a lot of rumors about his alcoholism kind of peaking around the time Live By Night came out. I don't know if that was a personal issue for him because of Live By Night or during the production of Live By Night it happened and then afterwards it changed. But anyways, after Live By Night, he stopped being the main Batman for DC and his Batman movie that he was writing and directing got, I get pushed to Matt Reeves. Yeah, I'm not even entirely sure if, like, I don't know if it got pushed to Matt Reeves. Well, it, it, it kind of did. But, like, Matt Reeves didn't use anything that Ben Affleck had, like, started. Like, they, they yeah. were... Other than they the title, were, like, I think. <laughs> yeah, possibly the title. Yeah, which I think is kind of unfortunate because I would have loved to see more. I was actually quite interested to see more uh, Batfleck. Uh, especially in yeah. his own directed movie. I think that would have been a first having the same star, director, writer, producer in a superhero movie. <laughs> that would have been yeah. by far the first one to do that. I mean, I still would love to see it, but I also, like, in recent interviews, Ben Affleck has said that, like, he, he found acting in superhero movies kind of draining, and, like, mm. when it doesn't go well, it really doesn't go well. Like... He pretty publicly had a bad time on the set of Justice League. Uh, I think everyone had a bad time on the set of Justice League. It doesn't sound like it was a good time for anyone. Yeah, well, I I think in general, any actor that was in the DC universe 
has been in the DC universe for the past six or seven years has probably had a pretty bad experience because all, uh, all of them kind of aren't really doing much right now or they're not going to be doing much. I was going to say with the exception of Zachary Levi, but Zachary Levi has been very open about how much like he was disappointed by the internal response, like by DC people to Shazam 2, which is a bit of a shame because like, like up until literally the release of Shazam 2, Zachary Levi sounds like he was having a blast being in the DC universe. Well, yeah, I think it is pretty unfortunate that I think I feel like Shazam not only propelled his career to a certain height, but also just killed it. So <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be doing much. And you could say the same thing. I feel like people like Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman 2 kind of Wonder Woman 2 mixed with the the COVID song that they did would kind of kill her career in a lot of ways, I think. Um, also, she can't really act, so I think that's part of it as well. Yeah, she's gotten a lot of roles that haven't really gone over well, even if the movies kind of have. Like, yeah. I know that, uh, you know, Death on the Nile wasn't well-received, necessarily. But even, at least among the, uh, like, among the reviews I've seen, she was kind of singled out as not necessarily the worst, but, like, even the people that liked the movie didn't, like, love her performance in it. Like, she's not even the standout of that movie, which is, you know, she's just gotten, like, a lot of... She's gotten a lot of roles that aren't, like, doing her favors. And then there was Red Notice, which did no one any favors. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, DC Camp not doing... Not doing... Ezra Miller, not much to say there. Henry Cavill kind of got blue-balled by DC, so... Just all around, I think... The entire Justice League, except for like Jason Momoa, hasn't had a great time since the Justice League came out. True. Jason Momoa is very pumped and he will not tell anyone why. But he is extremely excited. For Aquaman 2? I don't even know. Like a few, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but a few months ago, a few months ago, there was a tweet, there is a, um, he tweeted out a video where he's like, guys, I just got the best news of my career today. I'm so excited to share it with you guys. And then it stops. Like, he doesn't Is share it? it with us because he's it's it's NDAs or something. He can't do that, but he's very excited. Oh. Are you sure it wasn't for... Apparently he's the star of the new Minecraft movie coming out in 2025. I hope so, dude. I hope, that, I hope he's super hyped to be in Minecraft. That'd be interesting. He's actually doing pretty good. He's he's gonna be in the new, the new Fast movies, Fast and Furious movies. As I I guess he's like the final villain because I'm pretty sure these are the last ones. I hope. Yeah, he's the final boss and, uh, man. Yeah, and uh, he's got Aquaman two coming out in December, I think. So he's he's still sticking around for a bit. He's doing pretty good, but uh, yeah. So Ben Affleck, I guess this is kind of his this is his return to the director's chair. And uh, I don't know. Well, well, I guess we already said what the movie was about, right? It's about... I mean, vaguely. It's about, I guess, like, to put it a little more into the format of, like, a synopsis. It's about Nike in the 90s. Uh, no, in the 90s? In the 80s. In the 80s. And at the time, Nike was not a very popular basketball shoe. But they do have on their payroll a talent scout who decides that they're going to sign Michael Jordan as the face of their new shoe line. And like, yeah, you know, 
Michael Jordan is very expensive, very in demand, and has already been signed. So, like, they need to come up with a way to do it. And it's about the whole process of, like, how do they get Michael Jordan to be the face of their shoe line and make that shoe line the best-selling basketball shoe line of all time? And we already know the ending because the result is Air Jordans, which are the most popular basketball shoe of all time. So uh, that's that's what this movie's about. Yeah. I mean, it's not the the most, I guess, fascinating topic going into it. I mean, obviously, like the Air Jordan is like, like you said, it's it's one of the biggest, most well-known shoes of all time. It's I'd say it's a little tough to market, but I, I Ben Affleck does make quite good work of uh, making this story as interesting and engaging as possible. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's what I really liked about this movie is it really like it, it really gets into the weeds of like why this is an interesting story, because, you know, it's about marketing a shoe, but like everything that goes into that is its own like subplot in the movie. What like when they go down to the basement to, you know, talk to the shoe to talk to the mad shoe scientist who has to like put the shoe to get design the shoe in a weekend and <laughs> yeah. like all of the process of trying to go behind everybody's back just to get Michael Jordan to like be excited about Nike's instead of Converse. I can't remember which is the one that he's really excited about. Oh, Adidas, I think. And like, yeah, it's just, it's hard to describe this and like make it sound exciting while describing it. But I think that what Ben Affleck does extremely well as a director is, like, show how interesting, like, things that would be so mundane to just describe can actually be. Because, like, one of the hype, one of the, like, most exciting scenes of this is Matt Damon and, uh, Matt Damon and Jason Bateman hanging out and doing an all-nighter to come up with the presentation <laughs> to, like, talk to Michael Jordan's mom and sell her on the shoe. And, like, yeah. that's a really hype moment, even though it's just, like, some, some guys, like, hanging out and talking about shoes for a few hours. Or in the context of the movie, like, three minutes, but still. Yeah. Well, yeah, I feel like the... Uh... The, I mean, I, th I think the cast all around is, is really, really well put together. Um, and the general, they, I think they are able to frame the movie in a way that is very inspiring. Because it's like, it's not, this isn't like a, it's, it's framing itself as an underdog story. But it's like, and I get that it, it technically is, but this is still like, Nike was still the third biggest shoe brand <laughs> Like on the planet yeah. at the time, like this was in no way like a poor company or anything. This isn't like the social network where you're taking like a a bunch of uh, college poor college kids, or well, poor quote unquote, they're at Harvard, but college kids and then be them becoming billionaires. This is like the journey of a bunch of guys to basically sign uh, to to make a deal with someone that usually would be the star of 
an underdog movie, if that makes sense. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, but despite like that obstacle, I think they frame it in a really good way. And I think within the context of if you know a decent amount about shoes now, it does help uh, the movie work into how crazy the story is. Because like for me personally, I had no idea Converse was worn by basketball players at any point. So to hear that they were at one point, like they owned, they had 50% of the, the basketball industry um, sign or the, the, is like a really big revelation to me, especially like given the current context, I don't think Converse is a very big player in any athletic space from what I can tell. Didn't they say they had Wilt Chamberlain or something in this movie? In, in Converse? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, that sounds about right, yeah. They, they were crazy. Yeah, it's like... They were crazy big. They had, like, huge, huge names, and I'm like, Converse? They're like the, the punk kid shoe, right? <laughs> like, I don't... Yeah. I didn't even know that they had a sports division of any kind. And, uh... Yeah. I don't know. Converse fans, please don't at me, but like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they was... point out at the end that Nike ended up buying Converse too. So maybe, I guess that's why they probably killed the sports division completely at Converse once they bought them. Oh yeah. Cause Nike, like, why so. do you need, why, why do you need a basketball division if Nike's already got the basketball division? Yeah, exactly. So, um, like so they were able to frame it in a way that it did. it is technically an underdog story in an odd way where they were the smallest company uh and they were they were taking a big risk in going for such a big player at the right time because this was when Michael Jordan I think they had just won I, I actually just watched the documentary for this so I know a little bit about it but he just he had just won the NCAA uh, college league when he was 18 and he was a rookie and, and instead he had of just been drafted to the bulls yeah uh i think he, they in the movie they say he was the fourth third or fourth draft mm -hmm. um so he he still wasn't like the biggest player yet obviously he had like a lot of attention on him but as like being fourth draft pick still really good but only the i guess the movie makes a point of sh showing that Matt Damon's character uh, or the person Matt Damon's playing, he's not a character, is uh, the only, one of the first people, uh, especially in the shoe industry, to take notice of Michael Jordan and, and truly acknowledge that he is, or predict that he would be one of the greatest sports legends like of all time. Yeah, not just he's a really good player, we gotta get him, but like, no, 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 he's the player. He's the mm. guy. Yeah. And, uh, and that there's was kind actually of a... a few, like, really good speeches about that in this. Like, uh, Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro, that's the character's name. Uh, Sonny mm. Vaccaro gets a lot of uh, very good monologues specifically talking about why Michael Jordan is the <laughs> guy. Yeah. Sometimes it was, like, a little much, I think. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously, he's. it, it makes sense in character because... He's a massive basketball fan. So, um, but I, I mean, I was never around during Michael Jordan's time. So like, 
I don't know, my, like he was literally talking about Michael Jordan like he was like the Messiah or whatever. Like he was gonna, he's gonna shift the course of like the nation or whatever. And I, I'd say like actually in a lot of ways he did. It's hard to even really conceptualize now. I mean, I was only barely around during like Michael Jordan mania because I was a I was a baby. But like mm. even in the couple of years that I was conscious where Michael Jordan was like at that point he was basically at the end of his career or at the end of his like super 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 stardom. But even then like it's hard to even conceptualize now. There was not a bigger star maybe in the world, definitely in North America. And that includes movie stars, billionaires, uh, mm. like any famous person. Probably more people knew about, knew who Michael Jordan was than knew who the president of their own country was. Be that, you know, the president mm. of the U.S. or even in like any other foreign country or any other country that's not the U.S. Like probably more, pe more kids were like, oh, Michael Jordan than knew who was the head of their own state. Like, yeah, he was massive i don't think we've had a sports star since michael jordan who's reached anywhere near that level of of like fame renown whatever you can definitely argue that there's that there have been like basketball players since who have been as good you can probably even argue better than michael jordan but like that's not what we're talking about michael jordan was the most famous thing on earth yeah well, yeah, you could say he was, from what I can tell, he was a big part of making basketball like really, really massive and internationally known rather because it mm -hmm. seems like in the movie it was much, much more, much smaller uh, at the time, or at least the NBA was. And um, and then also like, I mean, the whole point of the movie is that he's he's the first athlete to be able to make a deal where he made a percentage off off of a shoe line that was based on that he that was sponsored by him if that makes sense which you know that's that's probably had a massive effect on on a lot of athletes and the the money they were able to get uh through their efforts and for their families and stuff i'll, I'll just like put a little bit of a disclaimer that most of what i know about the effects of that deal do come from this movie but like Athletes making a percentage off the shoe, like, just completely would have changed the industry if it wasn't like that before. Because, you know, that's the big thing that they're sort of fighting against throughout most of this movie is, like, Converse may have had Wilt Chamberlain and Magic Johnson, but Magic Johnson and Wilt Chamberlain got a big payout and then were, like, mm. signed with a salary. And... So they, like, they didn't have to do anything that special for Converse. Converse, and, for, so, and Converse would just, like, pay them to promote the shoe. But, like, they got a salary. They were salaried employees. With Michael Jordan, yeah. like, he got a cut. So if the shoe sold well, Michael Jordan would never have to work another day in his life. And he is now at the point where I don't even know what he does right now. And he's... He, he easily <laughs> makes millions of dollars every month. At oh, yeah, least. no, they said, they said he, he makes $4 billion a year just off the royalties of that shoe. So literally, yeah. he, doesn't, like, he doesn't have to do any advertising for them, for Nike. He's just sitting at home, and he, he 
he makes more money like every minute <laughs> that I will make in like probably like a year or something or multiple years. So, uh, yeah. and that's, that's a huge deal. And, and it makes a lot of sense currently, like, but it's really surprising that to think that looking back, you know, a, an athlete could basically be like the face of that brand and they would never receive any actual money from each shoe sold, mm -hmm. you know, so that, that's a pretty big deal. And now, you know, it's a, it's a great way of, of funneling that, that money, that, to uh to people that might be you know from from worse situations than michael jordan i guess in the future for athletes so that's a pretty mm -hmm. big deal and i think the movie makes a smart choice of not actually portraying michael jordan at any point in the movie other than from the back of him he's either portrayed with his back to the camera or we i think we hear him speak once on the phone he says yeah or he says hello to Matt Damon at the end of the movie. I thought that was the coolest thing in this movie. Throughout the entire movie, Michael Jordan is around. They cast an actor to play him. But that actor is only actually in a handful of scenes. Maybe five. I think it's closer to like two or three. And that actor, as you said, has like literally single digits uh, single digit number of words that he actually speaks in this movie. I think it's, yeah. I think he says hello on the phone. And I think there's another scene where he might, I think he says something, but it's a little unclear because someone else is also talking. So it's entirely possible that he just doesn't say anything or he like grunts or something like he's, <laughs> this movie goes through, goes actually goes to such lengths to completely, hide Michael Jordan in current day because it's got like archival footage of Michael Jordan but yeah. even the actor that they have to play Michael Jordan who's in those scenes he's either as you said portrayed from the back or there's a couple of scenes where the camera has to show him from the front but the way that they frame it means that he's just conveniently standing behind a pillar or like someone has just put their hand up in front of where his face would be which I thought was just, like, such clever and, like, tongue-in-cheek framing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's smart because, again, this isn't a movie about Michael Jordan. It's it's basically mm -hmm. a movie about the presence of Michael Jordan. And he quite literally has a presence physically. But if he were to ever speak or take attention away from, like, the main dilemma there, then the movie kind of loses itself, you know? Yeah, especially because I don't I don't know how how true like the 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 story is told and um but it seems like Michael I mean obviously he was 18 years old or 19 years old at the time. He probably did not care for any of the meetings he was going to and he didn't he didn't care about he wasn't really thinking about the future, but it sounds like his mom and his family in general were a very big part of helping him make those decisions for the future. So it makes sense that, you know, an 18 year old in these big corporate meetings would not really feel like talking that much because he probably didn't really want to be there. And uh, and instead we get an amazing performance by Violas Davis, who basically represents Michael Jordan in every scene and his interests. And I, she plays she a pretty straightforward character, but she plays it very, very well. Uh controversial opinion here i think viola davis might be an incredible actress 
<laughs> yeah, I, who who would have thought, right? I mean, this is like the essential. I've apparently Michael Jordan personally recommended Viola Davis to play his mother. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, I I feel like it's the greatest recommendation you can get for a role like this when yeah. the son literally asks you. So um, yeah, and I mean Viola Davis, yeah, like he's, she's never really had a bad perform. I I'd, I'd say the only bad performance she's had was in uh what's the movie uh black adam but that's because i think she shot that from like an iphone in her living room or something and she was never actually anywhere close to set yeah the black adam performance i don't technically know what the behind the scenes of that performance by viola davis there is but like it looks literally phoned in yeah and but i can't blame her for taking imagine dc's literally like we're gonna pay you like a few hundred thousand, please just like shoot this thing from home for like two minutes. So be like, okay, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't give a shit about the role, but I'll take the money. I mean, she would have gotten that phone call, and then three minutes later, The Rock would have called her up and been like, "Big news, Viola Davis, we got you in a movie. We're gonna give you the role of a lifetime. We'd like you to reprise your role from The Suicide Squad." For Black Adam, and she'd probably just be like, "Yeah, I've, I'm already gonna do it. Like, whatever, Dwayne." It's all <laughs> <good>. Yeah. <laughs> so she's had quite the year. <laughs> um, I guess no, that came out last year. So, uh, but yeah, she's great. I can I mean, never meet Dwayne Johnson ever. Like, he's gonna kill no, me. No, I'd be too. Yeah, yeah, it'd be too weird. Be too weird for everyone, I think. But yeah, also we have Chris Tucker, who I haven't seen him in a movie for a while since like. Actually, I don't even know, dude. I think I want to say Silver Linings Playbook. I remember that was supposed was to be he like in Silver Linings Playbook. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, he was teaching the them how to dance. Because I remember that was like his comeback role after I think he went into huge gambling debts and he like quit acting for a bit. But ten years later, he's I see him in another movie. So I guess Silver Lining Playbook wasn't really the career launcher it could have been. But he was great in this movie too. I loved him. I loved. Jason Bateman. I actually, for once, Jason Bateman played a character which, which had like a lot of heart, and I was mm-hmm. really surprised by that. And he played that role really, really well. Yeah, Marlon Wayans was in this movie, which was really cool. Like Marlon Wayans, he was in Requiem for a Dream, and ever since I saw him in Requiem for a Dream, I need him to be in more movies. And he's primarily in like parody movies, which mm. I hate. <laughs> I, I hate every one of them. Um, so I was so happy to see him in a dramatic role again, because he's a really good actor when he is in a good movie, in a good role. And he wasn't in this movie for very long, but... Yeah, he had like one, one, maybe two scenes. Or he had one scene and they flash back to him in the same scene, I think. But it's different footage, so it's like almost a second scene. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I absolutely love him in Scary Movie. I, you probably hate them. I can tell, but Scary Movie 1 and 2, he's he's amazing. Yet. I love it. I haven't seen Scary Movie 1 or 2 for a long time, but okay. I do remember those being... Scary Movie 1, 2, and 4, I remember being the strongest of all of the parody movies. All the, yeah, yeah. So. I, again, they're not... They're, they're no air, but... Um, no. They're, uh, they're, they're, like, really trashy fun. Yeah, who else? Oh, and, and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck reunited. I don't know when... Were yes. they in Were they in something recent? Were, 
were they in something together recently or is this literally like the first time in like i don't know how many years that they they shared the screen together that's a good question i am not really sure because they used to be in a lot of things and like i mean they still like hang out all the time but uh yeah Um, oh he was in the last duel as well oh yeah i haven't seen the last duel but yeah it's it's very good oh okay cool it's one that i have had plans to maybe do on this show for a while and i think it's still relevant yeah i feel like we talked about uh, it there's a there's a there's a cool way to do it i just haven't like gotten around to it yet Mm, that's fair anyway yeah like i thought ben affleck and uh oh yeah I, i i should uh ben affleck and matt damon had great great chemistry Mm-hmm. I think I liked Ben Affleck. I don't know much about Phil Knight, but he, he does seem like an interesting guy. I, I, I read a bit about his of his book. I need to finish it still. Um, but I thought he played the role pretty well. I mostly know him, and this is, I guess, kind of weird, because, like, Phil Knight is most famous as the guy who started Nike. But, like, I know him best for being the dad of Travis Knight, who started uh, Leica Studios. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a strange legacy to have. Like, you found like when you found what ends up being one of the most successful shoe companies in the world, and then your son, and and you to a degree because it was a lot of Phil Knight's money, uh, found <laughs> one of the like most interesting animation studios in the like two thousands, which is pretty cool. It's like a yeah. it's like a weird. It's a weird thing to be related, but I think it's pretty neat. It's weird. I don't know if... Has Leica been still making movies? Yeah. Uh, they just had one last year, I think. Because I know Travis Knight went on to direct Bumblebee. Oh, they haven't... No, they haven't released anything since 2019, it seems like. Oh. So that that is unfortunate. <laughs> Jeez. I'm they, sorry. They've got we... something in the works, though. They've, they've had sh- something in the works for ages. Oh, yeah. Oh, Wildwood. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. They've had a few things in the works, and then just, like, they don't have dates on any of them. I think there was... I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think, like... I think Wildwood has been delayed a few times and may have had to completely restart at some point. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't blame them because... I mean, li- looking at looking at how they've budgeted their movies in the past, they, they really need to switch something up. I don't know. I'm looking at the miss the missing Ooh. link cost a hundred million dollars, which is a very I would say a very ballsy amount to put into a stop motion picture. And I, I can't I can't understand any reason why anyone would think a stop motion movie could could make enough money to recoup those costs. But it is ballsy, I'll give them that. If you look at the other Leica movies, most of their movies have made not enough to recoup those costs. But, like, enough to give them the confidence that maybe they could. Because, like, if you look at their budgets to box office gross before that, like, mm. they've always been at least, like, the box office is at least bigger than the budget. I don't know if all of those have been profitable, but, like, a couple of them were. Uh, they weren't. It's, it's pretty tough with box office. They usually get 50% of... Uh... You usually estimate 50% of the box office the studio actually gets. Hmm. And then you also got a factor in marketing costs. So I think those were those are all... I think Coraline actually might have cut even be 
or made money because I think it, it probably had a pretty good video on demand life. And that was back when CDs were a thing too. So yeah. But yeah, anyways, I don't know. Phil Knight, Phil Knight, <laughs> Ben Affleck was good as Phil Knight. Yes. <laughs> That's what we were talking yes. about. Yeah. And what did you think of uh, Matt Damon playing Sonny? What's his name? Sonny Vaccaro. Vaccaro. I mean, I thought he was really good. I think this is a role... I guess this isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a role that I've seen Matt Damon kind of do before. I, I swear to God, I must have seen him as a sports agent before. Like, I don't know why, because I can't think of what the movie would have been. But I swear I've seen him in this exact role. And even if I haven't seen him in, like, literally the role of a sports agent, this is a kind of typical Matt Damon dramatic performance. He's very mm. good in it, but like I wouldn't necessarily say it's anything particularly exciting for him. It's mm. really good. It's just, you know, that's kind of all I have to say about it. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah, I, I thought he was really solid. Kind of plays like the I want to say himself, but he plays a very Matt Damony role i'd 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 attribute i'd I'd compare it to like the martian i don't know like those both feel like matt damon just kind of being his charismatic self and not really pushing himself into a character which is fine i I think yeah i think he's great at it oh i don't think sonny vaccaro needs to be like a big character i think that like matt damon played him really well and he was cast really well for that role they needed yeah. a Matt Damon type, and look who Ben Affleck just happens to be best friends with. Matt Damon, there you go, lucky guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It was, it was a it was a really solid movie. I I had a lot of fun in it. I can't remember. I I think I I know I already told you this. I can't remember if it was on air or off air. That's never. Gonna What's be up? Funny to me. <laughs> I see but, what you did there. Oh. But, <laughs> but anyway, like. I think that what I really like about Ben Affleck's directing... So, after I watched Air, I was like, this is just a really well-directed movie, and I really appreciate what Ben Affleck has done here. I also didn't really know if I would watch it again, and I haven't since, so I still don't really know if it's one that I'm like likely to re-watch again. And Argo, I don't think I've seen since it came out, and I would also say it was a very well-directed, very well-put-together movie... Um, I think what Ben Affleck is really good at doing is he takes these, he takes these stories that, um, that, that notably he doesn't, at least the ones that he's directed. Um, okay. I don't know about necessarily if I can generalize that to everything he's directed. Argo and Air are movies that notably he didn't write, but he takes these stories Mm -hmm. that are like really strange sort of large like larger than life stories but not larger than life in like the story of michael jordan they're like really weird things that feel like footnotes of history but that are also just like really interesting like in this case this is the story of how trying to sign michael jordan to sell nike shoes ended up in many ways revolutionizing the like branded sportswear industry which is something that just like it's not necessarily the story it's not necessarily a story that like everyone would gravitate to because you know if i read that that sounds really cool 
But, like, I would never be like, I wonder how Michael Jordan, what, what were the effects of Michael Jordan on branded sportswear, for example? I, that's just not a thought that would come to me in normal, normally while I'm just, like, living out my day. So he takes these, like, these stories that are really interesting and really worth telling, but that aren't necessarily, like, big things that you would that would be super obvious and he shows us why they're so cool and important because like that's what that's that's what air and argo do they're these like i'm gonna say it again basically footnotes of history that really shouldn't be that are really really cool stories that like he's just got ben affleck just has an eye for identifying those cool stories and like doing something neat with them and i think that that's what he does with air and um, ultimately, it ends up being, like, a really well-executed biopic. Like, this isn't, like, a really weird or strange movie in execution. It's strange in, like, topic. And that's what makes it cool and interesting. But, like, mm-hmm. I guess that's also... Not necessarily... But that's also, like, kind of the weakness of it is... Once he's gotten that really interesting story... He's able to execute on it really well, but not necessarily in and and not necessarily in an especially interesting way, which I don't think he has to, but that's also why I say like I really like this movie and I don't know when or if I'll watch it again. Yeah, like it's it's a flawless I'd say it's very close to like a flawless movie. It in no ways really pushes boundaries in any way though or challenges the audience and it's i mean obviously it's predictable because we all know how the story ends up being in the end mm. um but you know i i think he adds a couple fl- like beautiful moments in there i think the i think he's just very good at working with what he's got and making the best movie with what he's given like he's absolutely he was absolutely amazing at that in this movie i wouldn't say like give him something ambitious to do though i mean i think that's might have what been what happened with live by night where uh, he wrote directed and produced that and um i don't think it was based on anything i think maybe it was based on a play or something but the it was a lot looser he, he was playing a lot looser with that and I think potentially more artsy, whereas this was very straightforward movie, some beautiful, a couple beautiful moments, but I wouldn't really say like coming out of this, I'm like Ben Affleck has a great style of directing or like, like you said, like, I don't know when I would truly want to watch this again, but I had a ton of, I had a very enjoyable time watching it once and I learned mm-hmm. a lot and I had a great time and I thought he did an amazing job giving i guess what i expected uh from this movie yeah and so like overall what would you uh what would you say what would you what would you rate this movie if you were putting a number uh it's like a it's like a really solid eight it's like the perfect eight nice yeah i'd put it like i'd say like a solid seven for me maybe a strong seven hmm yeah, and like for for the reasons I've already said, like sometimes I'll say I'll say a number and then I'll go into a huge explanation. Like, 
I think we've, I think we've <laughs> kind of covered it. That's pretty straightforward, yeah. Any any fans yeah. of this, I definitely recommend watching like Moneyball too. I think it's a very, mm-hmm. very solid movie with a very similar premise that I think was also very good. And I'd, I'd probably rank what, about equally, honestly. What this movie definitely like made me, I don't know if I want to say made me realize, but like after watching this movie, I want people to identify stories like this more often. Like Ben Affleck picked a really solid script based on an extremely interesting story. And that's what I want to see more mm-hmm. of. Like how did like, I I can't even think of a random example because that's the thing is I'm not the person identifying these scripts, but like, this is a story about how, about how one of the biggest uh, athletes of all time influenced the shoe industry. And it does not include that athlete. That athlete is not in the movie. He is not, he is important to the story, but not in so far, not in the sense that he is a character in the story. And I think that that's yeah. <laughs> such a cool, it's such a cool story. And I want to see more stories like that. Like this thing that everyone knows. Well, how did that uh, influence, I don't know, the potato chip market? But yeah. It's um, about the potato guy or whatever? I think that like, oh yeah. Well, I specifically said potato chips because there's another movie that just came out that I don't know if it's... Uh, I don't actually know if it's in theaters yet. It might be. I think it's supposed to be. Uh, Flame and Hot, which is about the story of Flame and Hot Cheetos. And like, you know, maybe that's maybe that's a similarly interesting story. Like, I wouldn't have thought to make a biopic about the Flame and Hot Cheetos guy, and I wouldn't have thought to make a biopic about the Air Jordan's shoe designer guy. So, <laughs> you know, I want to see more interesting stories like that, right? Yeah. I think that's a really I think Ben Affleck is definitely very good at convincing me that these stories that you wouldn't have even thought of before are worth thinking of. Yeah, I well, I uh, yeah, I, I think maybe maybe that can be Ben Affleck's like own subgenre of docupics. <laughs> like he's just amazing at picking these really oddly oddly obscure things and bringing them into the spotlight, which I would love. Like I would love to see more movies that. That do that because I I think that doing that is much well first of all it's much safer of a bet and it's much more interesting than taking a very established story and potentially just like trying to live up to it and ruining it like I think with uh I would compare I talk about Danny Boyle Steve Jobs movie um I think they were trying to cover a very vast portion and a very uh very well of a very vast portion of a very well-known man's life and i think it that just made that movie it, it was very well received but i think partly it could it, part of it wasn't able to be as good as it could have been whereas you know a movie like air it's not something people truly like already care about and that bringing a lot of attention to it is not only like a much more challenging and interesting premise but then also, like you're much more, you're much less likely to, to be called out by people being like, "Hey, like I don't think you portrayed this correctly or whatever," because that can be very messy, I think. And mm-hmm. and you can't really compare it. It's it's tough to compare something like that to. It's tough to compare to a movie to real life events that are already very well known. So, 
So yeah, maybe Ben Affleck, keep doing that. You're great at it. Yeah, I am definitely excited to see whatever Ben Affleck has up his sleeve next. Yeah. Which I guess is the Flash, but I mean like, <laughs> like I mean like as a director. general. Well, hey, maybe the Flash will be. Maybe maybe this is Ben Affleck's streak. He'll just he'll have this, and then the Flash, and then I don't know what he's gonna. Maybe he'll be Daredevil and uh, Marvel's multiverse universe stuff going on. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, we'll see. I think we'll Marvel's uh, Marvel's in trouble at the moment. They'll they'll come back. The okay. Marvel's not in serious trouble, but they uh, they do have like a bit of a PR conundrum on their hands. Yeah, I was just I, I was just reading about it before the podcast. Some some interesting stuff dropped. So, um, yeah. Anyways, Jeff, what's the last word? I'm gonna keep it simple, Pierre. The last word is air. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>